0: half of wisdom a podcast of prudent questions with your hosts jess and chris i'm jess and i'm chris francis bacon said that a prudent question is half of wisdom each episode we bring you a question our kids asked us about something they've learned and we help them find the answers they're looking for this time on half of wisdom we're discussing wormholes Pick your favorite science fiction franchise, and chances are pretty good it involves wormholes in some way. Sometimes, the wormhole connects distant locations to one another. Think of the Stargates in the Stargate movies and TV shows, which were built as the nodes of a transportation system constructed by ancient aliens, connecting Earth with many other worlds. Or the wormhole that figures in the plot of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which connects the Bajoran system, easily accessible from Federation space, the Gamma Quadrant, located 70,000 light-years away, and which was also constructed by aliens. The rift in the TV series Torchwood, which spun off from Doctor Who, is a wormhole with a fixed location, Cardiff Bay, at one end. The other end, rather than being addressable like the Stargate wormholes or fixed like the Deep Space Nine wormhole, floats freely through space, allowing all sorts of interesting or dangerous things to pass through arriving in Wales for our heroes to deal with. Other science fiction wormholes connect points that are distant in time rather than space. In the original series' Star Trek episode, The City on the Edge of Forever, a device called the Guardian of Forever, which may be this type of temporal wormhole, sends our protagonists over 300 years back in time. In Jack Williamson's 1931 short story, The Meteor Girl, a man uses this type of wormhole to rescue his fiancé from a future disaster. The places connected by these temporal wormholes usually are also separated in space. That's true for both the Guardian of Forever and the wormhole in the Meteor Girl, as well as the wormhole technology used in Michael Crichton's novel, Timeline. Wasn't the Bifrost and Thor a wormhole? Yeah. Jane Foster and Eric Selvig have a conversation about the phenomenon that brings Thor from Asgard to Earth, where they call it a wormhole. There are other wormholes in Marvel movies, too. Really? Like what? Well, there's the one that sends Red Skull to Vormir when he grabs the Tesseract during the fight with Captain America. Also, Loki gets sent through one to Sanctuary after Thor destroys the Bifrost. The Tatari come through one during the Battle of New York. Thor, Loki, and the Hulk all travel through wormholes to Sakaar, and they have to fly through one to leave again. That's right. Do you remember what that one was called? Yeah, it was the Devil's Anus. Nice. So what's the deal with wormholes? Are they made up for just these stories, or are they a real thing? Assuming we're talking about the kinds of wormholes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or other science fiction franchises, where you can travel through them, Wormholes exist in a strange space somewhere between purely fictional and real possibility. They could exist, but there's no real evidence that they do, and we certainly don't know of any practical way to make one. Let's start with the term wormhole. The easiest way to think of why these tunnels through space and time are called wormholes is to think about an apple. If you were a tiny worm living on the surface of the apple, and if you wanted it to travel to the other side, you'd have two possible paths. The ordinary way to go would be to inch your way along the surface all the way around until you were on the opposite side from where you started. The other path would take you through the core of the apple, eating your way through the skin, the flesh, the core, the flesh on the other side, and finally the skin on the other side. This path is shorter than going along the surface. If we think of two-dimensional surfaces that are curved in different ways than the apple, we can come up with shortcut paths from one side to the other that are much, much shorter than any path along the surface would be. It's possible to extend this idea to three-dimensional space or four-dimensional space-time, with the shortcut tunneling through some hidden dimension to connect two places by a path that's shorter than the ordinary path you'd have to follow to get from one side to the other. That's why these things are called wormholes. Originally, wormholes were purely theoretical things. They emerged as possible solutions to mathematical equations that were developed to describe the universe. Specifically, equations that described black holes were found to allow for structures where two black holes were connected by a narrow throat. This throat, called an Einstein-Rosen bridge, would naturally close itself off very quickly when it formed, making it impossible to actually traverse the wormhole. If Einstein-Rosen bridges pinch off so quickly, is there any hope for finding a wormhole that we could actually travel through, like the science fiction wormholes we discussed a few minutes ago? As usual, the answer is, maybe. The same mathematical models that tell us how to make an Einstein-Rosen bridge, by connecting two black holes, tell us that we can stabilize the throat between them, using a material that has negative energy. We don't know of any actual material that fits the bill, but it's possible that certain quantum fields with certain vacuum states or fluctuations might work. Even then, the stabilized wormhole probably wouldn't be big enough for any known particle to pass through, let alone a person or spaceship. So-called macroscopic wormholes, those that are big enough for something substantial to pass through them, are even more theoretical, with some scientists having found possible solutions that allow them to exist— but with those solutions relying on assumptions that may or may not reflect reality. So, unfortunately, wormholes for now remain more science fiction than science fact, especially the useful sorts of wormholes that might provide us with shortcuts to faraway places. But they're not impossible, so there's always hope. That's it for Half of Wisdom this time. We'd like to thank Shane Ivers at SilvermanSound.com for letting us use his song Driftmaster in our intro and outro. Check back soon for another Prudent Question and Answer. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, or if you'd like to let us know your thoughts on wormholes, send us an email at halfofwisdom at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at PrudentQPodcast.